Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Could Be and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my new friend, Deborah. Deborah, welcome to the Could Be and Grace podcast. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. Can you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your life, marriage, ministry, and uh, any ministry projects that you're working on, please? Well, I live in outside Little Rock, Arkansas. So I live in the deep south <laughs> and um, um, I'm married. We've been married. My husband and I have been married for uh, it'll be 35 years in October. He's been my chief encourager and support in my writing ministry. And we attend a church here called Bible Church of Little Rock. It's a, uh, it's a Reformed Baptist church and I love it. I'm very involved there. My history has been as a um, hospice nurse for almost 30 years. And so I've been around a lot of people with um, various problems, including this one and Alzheimer's dementia. And then I I view, I I am a resource for the people in our church and for the people that I know around here. Anytime people have end of life issues or parental issues, they'll call me. I do a lot of counseling over the phone, especially now with COVID and everything. Um, Hmm. But my main ministry has been in um, my written ministry. I've written, um, I've got seven books published. I've got um, four that I'm trying to publish. (laughs) Wow. And, um, and I'm uh, currently working on another one. Uh, called A Quiet Confidence, and it's for Christian, the subtitle, I love this, From Christian Warrior to Christian Warrior. Do you like Mm. that, Dave? Yeah. yeah, Maybe we can do another podcast on that one when it comes out. (laughs) Sure, that'd be great. Who's going to publish that one? I have no idea. (laughs) The Lord (laughs) I write them, and then I try to get them published. um, Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So my writing ministry has been in the area of theodicy, which is reconciling the goodness of God with pain and suffering we see in the world and answering the question, where is God in all of this? In fact, one of my books is called, Where is God in All of This? Because people are asking that question more and more. So uh, my ministry has been coming alongside people who are suffering, people who are hurting, bewildered, and trying to move them beyond and always pointing them to Christ. Mm. And because he and his presence with us and his promises, those provide the solutions to just about every every problem. Amen. Amen. That's such a that's such an important thing that you're doing because the problem of evil, I mean, it's it's all around us. And it does have uh-huh. a solution, as you said. So, I mean, amen. That's that's wonderful. Especially since a lot of times it seems like evil is winning. Yeah, It's really nice to be able to remember, to read again, to solidify your beliefs and the promises that God has made. Amen. I've got this big window right here next to me. And every time I refer to God, I've noticed that I'm going, God. Um, because I always look out the window when I talk about God. I don't know why. Yeah, but if well, you, you see that, 
I'm looking, I'm talking about God. I'm going to be looking out this window. You're looking out at <laughs> God's wonderful creation that he made. I am. It's beautiful yeah. out there. Amen. Well, I know you wrote this book a little bit ago. Uh, it's called Help. I, Someone I Love Has Alzheimer's. Uh, can you tell us why you wrote it and how has it been received so far? I wrote it because I wanted to, like I said, come alongside those who were dealing with uh, taking care of somebody who has Alzheimer's or dementia. And during this podcast, you'll notice that I refer to Alzheimer's or dementia interchangeably. Even though Alzheimer's is one type of dementia, usually the treatments, the warning signs, things like that are so similar that it's like a big, the the umbrella is dementia. And Alzheimer's, organic brain disorder, Lewy body, you know, there are so many uh, different types of dementia, um, but they all follow, fall under that umbrella of dementia. So I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. So when I mention Alzheimer's, that's really referring to other types of dementia as well. Both my parents had dementia and my friend, uh, one of my best friends, Judy House, she's my, um, she's my personal publisher for, I mean, editor for all my books. Uh, she's very gifted. She can, she can take my, my books that I think are absolute perfection. <laughs> Yep. Mm -hmm. And she points out things that I need to do differently, and she makes all my books better. But Judy also had problems with her parents with dementia, and Judy figured out a lot of things, too. So we got together and we said, why don't we write a book about dementia and include in there the practical information and suggestions that we've learned from working with our parents and maybe help others out there who are struggling with the same thing. So that was the goal in writing it was to help people who are going through this because it's a very, very difficult journey. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's good. You know, uh, my mom has got diagnosed with Alzheimer's about a, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and it feels like she's She's definitely progressing. And then, you know, my dad was diagnosed, excuse me, in 2012 um, and hasn't progressed as much. Um, he has a neuro, as we were talking about, he has a neurodegenerative disease, which I guess understand affects his um, mood and his anger and irritation. But, you know, it is, it is hard and we need help, you know, so thank you so much. I mean, I was going to say 30 years uh, of doing that kind of hospice chaplain. I have a good friend at our church here who is a supervisor of chaplain or of, uh, hospice chaplains. And uh, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, he's often up late at night and doing that work. And it's, it's a tough thing, you know, you guys need care and support too. And, um, you know, that's a real, that's a real gift. You know, I, I know myself, well, I know myself, I could never do that full time. People you know? think that, but all yeah. you have to do really is be able to have a, a soft and compassionate heart because, uh, once you, you have names and faces to these people, you want to do everything you can to help them. And as a hospice nurse, I was able to do that. It's one of the most rewarding positions a person can have because um, I've said this before and I've even written about it, but every day when I would come home from work, no matter how drained I was, I could say I made a difference in somebody's life today, the better. Mm -hmm. And that's very gratifying to know that God can use you. You know, we pray all the time, God, use me as a vessel for other people. And then when he does, it's like <laughs> a blessing to you. It's, it's like more, yeah. a, more a blessing to you than it is maybe to the people that you're ministering to. Mm. I loved being a hospice nurse. That's wonderful. Praise God. 
How how important is it that we view Alzheimer's through a biblical lens? Well, actually, I think we should view everything through a through the lens of scripture. Mm-hmm. Everything in our lives, everything in our relationships, I think we should view it all through through scripture. Because when you think about it, Dave, that's the only time that these adversities make sense is when you can look at it through the, a, a lens like that and see a bigger picture. Because sometimes we see our lives like uh, they are just like so uh, we're so involved with our little lives and all of the all the things around us we we become egocentric we think the world revolves around us when you read the scriptures when you start looking at things through a biblical standpoint viewpoint you see that it's not all about you it's about god and it's about his plan unfolding and the huge big picture that that is is incorporating. So that's what that's why I think that everything should be looked at through the lens of scripture, um, because that's to me the only way that it any of it makes sense. Yeah, that's that's really good. You know, when my dad first got diagnosed with dementia, I was studying Hebrews, and you know, we we know that uh, the precious promise in Hebrews. Uh, uh, 13 verse uh, 5 and 9 about Jesus will never leave us uh, nor forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And, and that was such a comfort to me in the midst of that because, I mean, he's not going to, he doesn't change. He's unchanging. And so we can trust him. Um, and that that is, uh, like you're saying, I mean, every everything, you know, it's not just Alzheimer's or dementia. It's every everything. Uh, there's a 20th century uh Theologian Carl F. H. Henry. I don't know if you know him. He he uh, was the founding editor of Christianity Today, um, and uh, helped found uh, Fuller Seminary. And he talked about how the a biblical world. It's not just a biblical worldview that we have, but it's a biblical life view. It's a biblical way of seeing things, and you just articulated that so well. So yeah. It's really good. Well, why is one of the most effective ways of, of coping with adversity education? Well, this is one, this is one of my themes throughout all my books. I'm glad you brought that one up because I've got this big section in the book, Knowledge is Power. And uh, in every book that I've written, uh, they kind of combine instruction with devotional. And it's, so they're all kind of like a combination of the two. But I think that knowledge is power because if you know the enemy that you're facing, the more you know about that, the better you'll be able to respond to it. Mm. So I've always gone into, even even in my nursing career with my families that I've worked with, if they know what they're dealing with right now, what is coming next and what to do about that when that comes, well, that takes the chaos out of it. And instead of going, Lordy, Lordy, I don't know what to do. They go, okay, we're told we knew this was coming. This is what we're supposed to do. And it it replaces that chaos with calm. Uh, Things can be managed if you know what to expect and how to respond to it. So that's why I think it's so important to know the enemy. And if Alzheimer's hears the enemy, then we need to know as much as we can about that. And uh, this little book that I've written, uh, it, it's not an exhaustive study on the on the topic, but what it does is gives you the bottom line, all the way down, helpful suggestions. Uh, it, it's very instructive. It. Uh, it tells you about what Alzheimer's is. What's the difference between that and normal signs of aging? It's important to understand these things. 
what is mild or moderate or severe dementia? What, how is that characterized? You know, um, the more you can learn, then the better off you are. And the practical suggestions that are made in here are very good and would uh, help alleviate some of the frustration involved in taking care of somebody with Alzheimer's. Yeah, I, I, uh, when, uh, when I first, you know, my, my dad first got dementia, I started reading and that was really hard because then I realized, wow, this is what it's going to do. But then it, you know, it settled in and I, I was fine and, and, uh, reading about it didn't, didn't bother me so much, didn't cause so much tears. And cause it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's painful to realize that your dad is, or your mom is going to progress and, or your family member, you know, that you love so much. It's, it's hard, I think, for some people, some more than others, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, there becomes so, a stigma attached to it. Yeah, it's and, like, and in then, some ways, it's sort of embarrassing, you know, to admit. Yeah, and then, but like what you're saying is knowledge, it helps you to manage your expectations. It helps to, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, it helps to shrink the, the very large issue because you understand, like you were saying about what, what is happening, what is going to happen, and then you're able to accept it. And then you're able to learn to, you know, manage what, what you manage yourself, realize how, and that's different for, I think everybody, but uh, managing it in your, in your mind and in your heart. Um, I know that I've had to, to learn, you know, during COVID, for example, I was calling my dad every day because he wanted me to, and he needed that and that was fine. But now that we're, you know, progressing out of that, I may be calling once a week. And um, that helps me because like, you know, I'm not on the phone texting his pastor and, um, you know, his other church members letting, updating him, updating my mom and other things. And um, it's, it ends up being a lot of time, not just to talk to him, but to talk to other people to let them know how he, how he is doing. And, and um, not that I mind doing it every day either i'm not saying that you know i love my dad and love talking to him and and same with my mom and and all these other people but you know it is a lot it's a lot emotionally on a person and so what you said about managing expectations and you know just just understanding how to best navigate this yourself is is so i think important I, that that's one big thing i've learned for myself is just just that you know anyway do you have any thoughts on that <laughs> Well, you know, you're just speaking my language there because I think the more you understand about something, uh, the less daunting it becomes. Uh, You can take it in manageable pieces instead of being overwhelmed by it. So I think that instruction and knowledge is going to be really important, whether you're dealing with Alzheimer's or cancer or or finances or marital problems or whatever. The more you can understand about what is actually going on, apply it biblically and then try to live a life pleasing to God and in the midst of it. See, this is what I think. There's a a kind of a a tension between men's responsibility and God's sovereignty and what you have to do. I was told this by my teacher years ago. Uh, He said, we are to live our lives as if everything depends on us, you know, responsibly uh, to the best of our ability work as unto the Lord, but you have to understand that everything actually depends on God. So it's his sovereignty that uh, determines everything, but that doesn't absolve us of our own responsibility to live um, lives worthy of him. Yeah, 
That's that's really well said. What advice do you have about dealing with a long goodbye that memory issues present to family members and friends? You got that from my book, didn't you? <laughs> the long yeah, goodbye. Yeah, just just think it. Yeah, I, yeah, but just. I think yeah. I think that it's such an appropriate description of this this disease because you know it is a long goodbye. It you say goodbye to them in little stages. And, you know, I specifically remember the day that my dad stopped being able to pray. You know, we would always say grace before before a meal. And daddy always had the same prayer that he did uh, all the time. And one day my mom and dad and I were sitting down to lunch and I said, Daddy, why don't you pray? And he said, Dear Lord. And he couldn't go any farther. He forgot his prayer that he had said many, many times. And he couldn't think how to get out of it. So I said, and bless his food. Amen. I had to get up. It was very emotional because I realized I'd already heard the last time my dad would pray. And so, you know, then there's a, you know, the last time they recognize people or the last time they're able to smile or the last time they're able to engage. You say bit, you say goodbye to bits and pieces of their personality of what makes them who they are. You start grieving at the diagnosis and then the grief just kind of keeps hitting you until the end. But there are some um, some pieces of advice I would I would give to people who are going through this difficult journey. And that is because of what I just said, don't take anything for granted. You can't take anything for granted. If you're having a good day with your loved one, enjoy it. Notice everything. It might be the last time that you're able to see them this way. There may be a change next time you you're you're with them. So don't take anything for granted. If they tell you, I love you, thank you for doing so-and-so, you better remember that. It might be the last time they tell you they love you, that they're able to tell you that. You know, so I would just say that. Hmm. I enjoy them before they get to the point where they are dependent on everything. And don't let those little things uh, go unnoticed. Um, another piece of it, very important advice is... Don't argue with them. If they say something didn't happen to them, <laughs> that that thing never happened. Like with my an example is with my friend Judy. She would tell her father um, ten times in a week, you know, that they have an appointment to go to the doctor on Thursday morning. Then Thursday morning comes around. He says, "Well, Judy, you should have told me we were going. I would have appreciated it for you to tell me that." Instead of arguing with him. And saying, don't you remember you were sitting right here and I was here and I said this and you said this? They're not going to remember. You're not going to. And then they say, no, that never happened. Yes, it did. You know, you, you're arguing. You want to be right. You want them to know you did what's right. Well, Judy started doing this. Oh, I'm sorry, Daddy. I thought I told you. End of argument. There's no argument. There's no stress. There's no frustration. She would just take the hit and she would say, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I told you that. Mm -hmm. I know an example from my story um, was that my dad would say at night, this is before before they had to go live in a facility, uh, an assisted living facility. But my dad would say at night, well, I'm going to go on upstairs. Well, my parents have never lived in a house with stairs. Mm -hmm. They've never lived in anything but ranch style houses in their whole life. Hmm. My mother had to be right. She had to say, Joe, where are the stairs? Show me these stairs. She would take him out to the street and have him look at the house. Where's an upstairs? Do you see an upstairs? 
they both wind up so frustrated and she would talk to me and I would say, why don't you just say, okay, babe, I'll see you later and just let him go on to bed. You know, who cares whether there are stairs or not? Mm. So my advice would be don't argue with them. If they don't remember it, it never happened. You're going to both end up frustrated if you try to do anything else. Stay in the moment and don't argue with them. Yeah, that's that's good. That's hard to do, though, because most people (laughs) want to be right. You have to be right. Yep. My uh, I had to learn. I've had to learn that with especially with my mom. My dad doesn't argue so much. Uh, My dad is very introverted, so he doesn't really share too much. But my mom and I, we've definitely clashed um, over over this. And I've had to just realize in my better moments, I do. But in my not so good moments, you know, uh, I know I wrote this book and my mom still pulls me into these things from time to time. I forget my own advice and I I find myself arguing with her. And then I remember, oh, okay, yeah, all right, maybe you are right. (laughs) Okay, end of argument. And then, and then you're just able to progress with the conversation. And, you know, even though they'll repeat themselves and which that's hard too, you know, but it's, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just got to keep an even keel and just remember, you know, this is an illness and that they have and you know, just keep going, you know. And if they are um, repeating things and uh, and you've heard this story 15 times, um, I found it better not to remind them that they've already told you this, but just listen to it like it's the first time. And I, I did that a lot with my dad. Um, and, and in fact, I would. I would sort of use his uh, dementia as a, a reason to give him excitement because when he was in a nursing home, I would tell him, guess what? I'm going to bring mom to see you on Thursday. You are great. He gets so excited. And then in about 10 minutes, I'd say, oh, guess what? What? I'm going to bring mom to see you on Thursday. <gasps> you are. You know, he'd get excited again. So sometimes I'd do that two or three times. <laughs> he would. <laughs> He would forget in the meantime. So, hey, if it brings in joy, why not bring in joy several times? My mm. husband said, he's probably thinking, she doesn't realize she's already told me that three times. Nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so just be just be patient with them. I guess that's the biggest advice is that it's going to require a God-equipped sense of patience. Yeah. Definitely learning that more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh what are what are some uh, effective characteristics that caregivers should have to complete their caregiving mission successfully? That's a very good question. Well, certainly you need um uh a caring, compassionate heart. You need a, a sense of humor. Or you need to keep that sense of humor with you all the time if possible. Um because sometimes it's the only thing that gets you through. You have to have the ability not to take things personally. That's another characteristic uh, uh, because so many times um, things come out of their mouths that you cannot believe. And, uh, and, and you have the ability, when you have the ability not to take it personally, you will be able to take care of your loved one better. Uh, another thing is not to always want your way because that does not exist anymore when you're dealing with somebody with, with uh, dementia. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to be very selfless instead of selfish. So selflessness would be a characteristic. And then um, the last one I I would say is uh, you need to have a desire to keep getting better at what you're doing and taking care of them. 
And that requires learning all you can learn about this issue and reading good books. You know, I think think my book is wonderful, of course. I love it. But there are other good books out there, too. So just keep learning, keep growing in your understanding of of, uh, how to take care of somebody with uh, dementia. Mm. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good. You know, just. What helps me is with any anything, like you mentioned, everything is is biblical. Just seeing them through that prism of, you know, my dad's a Christian. He's made in the image of God. And so seeing him through the eyes of Jesus, you know, and asking the Lord, help me to see him, you know, not through his dementia, but helping me to see him as, you know, you created him and as you love him. And same with my mom and that and that helps with everything helps deal with um my anxiety about what's going to happen to them not getting depressed or discouraged or anything like that just realizing that hey this is this is happening and like you said earlier god is in control and he's working that doesn't that doesn't minimize some people think well that's just minimizes the emotion and and we're not against as christians we're not against emotion you know it it just helps put things as one of my mentors said uh, the christian life is it's all about your perspective and it really is. Uh, it just keeps things, it keeps things small and manageable and in perspective so that it doesn't just overwhelm you. Cause this, this, um, you know, on my, on my worst days, this is so like, I had one day recently. Um, it was a couple of days ago. I think it was Friday, last Friday. So this would have been, um, this would have been the, since we're recording August 30th, this would have been August 27th. And it was such a hard day because, you know, my dad had moved out of the hospital, get kicked, assaulted somebody in his family home and, and, and on and on. And it was a, it was a really hard day. And then having a hard conversation with him that he can't treat people this way. And then he moving into a new place, he, he, he can't, this is his home. This, this the army hospital isn't his home. This is his home. And he can't go there and just having a conversation with the doctor about that and, and him recognizing, you know, that, and, you know, he's, he's not talking to me right now. Uh, he's upset. And I, and I understand that, you know, that he's upset because, you know, I had to give him the hard news. I'm willing to be the bad guy as long as he's happy, you know, and, and uh, I don't enjoy telling my dad that but the, what he understands is as a military man he understands order and so you have to be able to speak his wh- wh- whatever family member you have you have to understand you know their personality and you have to understand you know their background and what they understand and for my dad that's military order you know so it's not a dad this isn't an option this is this is wh- where you're gonna live and this is how you need to you know you need to be kind and respectful and he understands that understands that kind of language and it's not mean it's actually I'm, I'm i'm trying to be loving to him in in the best sense of the word i, I care about yeah. him and tough love um, yeah and it's not fun to, to as the youngest son to to do that it's it's very hard it's taxing i feel you know after a whole day of writing editing recording all this after that then i'm having to deal with this it's it's a lot so that day when- was really hard i I sat there and I cried and I, and I just, you know, Jesus wept. So there's nothing wrong with weeping. Uh, 
Yeah. No, it's a very frustrating and overwhelming situation. And um, there are times that uh, you are at the end of yourself and you just have to turn it over to the Lord. And another thing to realize, Dave, is that just like God has determined your dad to have this um, this illness uh, late in his life, and he is um, he is superintending your dad through this illness. But you are also being changed because of his illness. God is also working on you personally. He is honing you. He's turning you into the person he wants you to be. And he's using your your parents' illnesses to do that. And that any time God is working on you growing you, making you better, smarter, uh, more sensitive, more caring. He's chipping away and that chipping away is painful. But, you know, if you look through scripture, you will see that God molds people into who he wants them to be. Right now, what you're going through eventually is going to serve to help others who are going through the same situation. You are going to be in a position to know and to be able to care for them and to help them. So mm-hmm. this is really going to make Dave a better person. So um, um, just just try not to be, try to think when things get overwhelming, try to think of that, that the mm-hmm. chipping away process is painful, mm-hmm. but it's beneficial. You know, when we're comforted by, and Paul talks about how you're being, you know, oftentimes how the things that you go through, are, are used to be a comfort. And that's kind of what you're talking about. You know, you go through things and you're able to comfort and you're able to, to counsel people. And I absolutely, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. I call it, I call it the continuity of comfort because uh, you, you know, um, you're comforted with the comfort that, that you receive from others. And then you're in a position therefore to become a comforter for others. And so it's just, it's like what I call it is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh-huh. Because uh, you learn to accept comfort, then you learn to appreciate comfort, and then to give comfort, to offer yeah. comfort. And if you hadn't gone through those other things, you would not be in a position where you would feel comfortable trying to comfort somebody else. I think God gives us experiences to grow us, but also to edify his people. And uh, that's what we're in the process of doing right now, even with this podcast, is edifying other people because we're trying to empower them in some way in their journey to take care of a family member or a friend who has Alzheimer's or dementia. It's very difficult. It can It can be very emotionally draining and taxing. I think you're finding that out. Yes, yes, it is. And, you know, just keeping like we talked about already, just, you know, managing the expectation and managing, finding ways that work for me. And and I'd say that to other people, finding ways that work for you, you know, to that, that you can handle it, whether you talk to that, talk to your parents or who a family member once a week or, or several times a week, you know, you just have to find the the balance that works best for you so you're not overwhelmed and uh those kind of things you know emotionally and because it is it is very like you said it, it is very emotionally taxing and it's 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 difficult um it's it's not something that's gonna it's not something that you can click your heels and you're in kansas and it's it's gone you know it's uh it's not like the flu or or anything like that it's it's there and it's gonna keep progressing um yeah 
and just managing your expectations, man, figuring out what works for you. And uh, I would say one other thing is uh, uh, it, for people is get a close group of friends and that you can really share with um, and ask God, even ask the Lord to give you a friend that really understands uh, these things. Um, yeah, there so. it's important to have a support group of uh, even if it's just one friend, but if several of you can meet together and you'll find that, you know, when I, when I was talking about sense of humor, when you're thinking about it in and of yourself, it's hard to see the humor in that. But I've found that when I'm relaying these experiences to others, I make it kind of funny and that they laugh and I laugh and I find that it the mood lightens when you're sharing it with other people. Because number one, they're not laughing at your loved one. They're laughing at the situation because they have experienced it too. They know what I'm talking about. And yeah. so, yes, you're right. You're right. I should have said that. But um, I, too late. I didn't put that in my book, did I? <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's okay. But no, it's very important uh, to find some support, especially Christian support. Because the advice you get from uh, unbelievers is going to be very different from the advice you'll get from believers. Yeah, that's good. How can a local church help support family members with dementia? Um, you know, I've thought about writing a book about um, taking care of the caregiver <clears throat> because um, the person with dementia be has diminishing needs. You know what I mean by that? I mean, their needs become less, but the caregiver's needs become more. The caregiver is meeting the needs of the patient in most cases, or a loved one in most cases, but the caregiver needs continued, their, their needs are escalating. And so I think the church in coming alongside their congregation should um, do several things. Um, the first is don't forget them. You know, a lot of times people with dementia are forgotten because people write them off. Oh, they've got dementia. I'm not going to call them anymore. I'm not going to go by there anymore. We can't invite them over anymore. Um, like I said, sometimes there's a stigma attached to it. But a church body needs to come alongside these people and uh, don't forget them. Go by and see them. A call or a visit or a handwritten note. I mean, you know, sent through the mail. You know, that they can open and hold. I mean, that's important, too. But also looking to the needs of the family and looking to the needs of the caregiver, especially when that that uh, church member with Alzheimer's lives with the caregiver. Um, you know, it becomes a, a, a total luxury to be able to soak in a tub without having to worry about what he's getting into or what she's getting into. Or, you know, so and, and things like going to the grocery store, um, mowing your yard, uh, you know, weeding your flower bed. You don't have time for those things anymore. You've got to give 24-7 attention to the caregiver, to the um, a loved one. So if somebody can come alongside, and, and please don't do this. If, you, if there's anything you need, call me. I'm there for you. Mm. All right. They never call you. So what you need to do is you need to tell them what you're going to do. We thought we'd stop by later. What can we pick you up from the grocery store? You know, um, or, uh, hey, we're coming by later. We're going to bring you some cookies. 
while I'm there, I think I'll go ahead and mow your yard if that's okay. Don't ask, don't, don't wait for them to ask you. You just go ahead and do it, do these things. Um, how about this one? We're going to come over and sit with blank um, so that you can just go out with friends, have a lunch, take a bath, uh, you know, uh, go read a book, go do things in the world, you know, um, go to a movie, go to a football game, you know, whatever. Um, just to give them some relief so that they're not there 24 um, seven. And then there are the spiritual things that a church should do. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray with these people. Many of them can still pray. Music seems to be the last thing that goes. So go and sing a hymn with them. They'll probably remember the words by heart. Hmm. They can't remember what day of the week it is. But if you start singing Amazing Grace, they they will sing every word with you, you know, in a lot of cases. Um, don't forget, you know, like there are some people that will take the Lord's Supper to them uh, and make them feel like they're still a part of the church. They are. They're just an ailing part of the church. So I think a ch local church body should probably have a committee for people who are taking care of the caregiver as well as the ailing one. So I think there are many, many ways a local church body can serve uh, a person with dementia, mostly just uh, not forgetting them and um, not let that caregiver is going to start feeling very isolated and alone. Yeah. Don't forget them yeah, and just serve. Be servants. We yeah. in the South, we have this thing about food. When anybody's sick, when anybody has a death in the family, if anybody goes to the hospital and comes home, if anybody has a baby, if anybody moves into a new house, everybody brings food. Okay. Uh, that's nice. So food is the most obvious thing for people down here in Arkansas. We we take meals to people. So, but there are other ways you can serve besides food. Mm -hmm. Food's good. Food's good. Don't forget food. But there are other ways that you can serve as well. And the, helping that caregiver get out of the home for a while is invaluable. So just just saying that. That's that's mm -hmm. a good thing. I would just say a couple things to pastors and you know elders. That I would just say if that's you, and we have a lot of pastors and elders that are listening, just be really intentional with that caregiver. You know, find out what's happening with the family. Like, for example, my dad's pastors and I talk regularly over text. Um, he has one pastor that I, I talk to more than the others um, and and just just communicating with him. And he asks, how am I doing? And, you know, he knows that, you know, I'm not in his church or anything like that. But, you know, he's just a good guy. He, he asks how I'm doing. They ask how I, how can we be praying? How and how this is the important. How can we be caring about your, your for your dad? You know, and uh, that that means a lot. You know, that kind of question goes a long way and it shows not only do you care about me as a person that's telling you what's happening, but it also says, hey, I care about my dad, I care about your dad. I, I want to come alongside of him. I, I want to love him. And and people that really do love him and at his church and in the community. And and that's uh, that makes me feel good. You know, it, it's it it's it, in, a, in a way it's kind of like my encouragement more than it's because he doesn't really understand. I mean, he understands, but it's more, I'm encouraged that he has that level of care and it makes, makes it, uh, makes it easier to, to handle. 
So, and then having local friends to to share with as well is. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to bear the burden on your own when you've got somebody right. like that to share it with. Yeah, and I and, and and I would just say, you know, that that's one of the things that I I am a big advocate of. It, it, if you're going through a really hard time, the local that's why the local church is there. You know, that's why your pastor is there. You know, and and if if you're pa- they're there to walk alongside of you, you know, mature Christian saints, they're there to walk alongside of you. And we really need that. And I, and I feel when I, whenever I open up and share about stuff like that with people that know what they're talking about, or just the pastor, I always feel, I feel relieved and I feel helped and, and cared about myself. And that, that just helps me to be able to keep going. Well, well, Deborah, where can people go to find out more about your work online, either on social media or otherwise? Well, they can pick up a copy of my books. <laughs> uh, uh, my ministry is to help people who are suffering, uh, who are going through suffering. So um, those are the kinds of books that I write generally. Um, and so if they want to know more about me, more about my ministry, they can pick up a copy of my books and read. I'm a, um, I've written one what my first book and probably my the bestseller of ever of all of them that I've written is called Sunsets and it's a book about death and dying from a Christian perspective and again it's like a devotional and a nursing guidebook put together so if people are are dealing with somebody in their family who's dying um, it is really really a sweet book and um, it also combines that with a uh, a fictional account of a of a hospice nurse taking care of a patient. Spoiler alert: It's me, but <laughs> I, I, she she doesn't have my name. I give her another name. But um, it's a very sweet book, and it also tells you how to what steps they're going to go through in the process of dying, what to do every step of the way. So it's invaluable when you're walking that walk with people. And then I've got one, um, another one of the books um, like this one, like the Alzheimer's book. I've got one for cancer, for people who are newly uh, diagnosed with that. Hmm. And then I've got one for uh, loneliness. People are plagued with loneliness, especially now in this period of isolation. And it kind of helps people re-engage in life. Um, I wrote it before COVID. So some of the suggestions about getting out and, and meeting people and things like that, you'll have to modify a little bit. But um, it's written specifically for people who have lost a spouse. And for whatever reason, it's very difficult for them to re-engage in living themselves. And they're living uh, uh, in a mourning uh, state for months and months and years and years. And they can't seem to move on. Uh, well, that's what that book is for. <laughs> And then um, there's another one that I wrote with a dear friend of mine, Dr. Wayne Mack, um, and it's called It's Not Fair. And it's for people who think God didn't give them a fair break. They're kind of raising their little fist to God and saying, you know, why are you doing this to me? They're angry. And it kind of helps them to see the big picture again. And then um, another one is called Where is God in All of This? And that that's not for somebody who's angry. That's for somebody who's just in despair or questioning. Um, and then they can they can go there um, to it's not fair. And it gives the it talks about the purposes of suffering and what God is doing, bringing about uh, suffering in our lives. So um, I'm always writing. So there's always a project in the works. <laughs> Sounds like. It. 
Yeah, so is. I would say go on Amazon, go on any Christian bookstore uh, online. Um, you can uh, get my books there. Yeah. You can Google me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, just as we wrap up, Deborah, can you give us a, a few takeaways from, from your book and this conversation, please? Well, the most, um, you know, I was talking about knowledge is power. And I wanted to bring up two books that were really important when I was researching this topic. And uh, one is a book uh, called Losing My Mind. And it, it's a, it, Losing My Mind, an intimate look at life with Alzheimer's by a man named Thomas DiVaggio. And he is diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the beginning of the book. And then he, in his own words, is very articulate. And in his own words, he talks about the process of going deeper into this illness. And by the end, the editors have left his writing like it is. And you can just see the digression in, in, in the thought process. But it's very illuminating um, about uh, Alzheimer's. And then uh, also, um, there's another one called Coach Royal's Playbook for Alzheimer's Caregivers. This is the best one that I read that offers uh, practical uh, suggestions and how to take care of um, people with Alzheimer's. And it's written by uh, Coach Frank Broyles. He's from Arkansas. But it, it really, his wife had Alzheimer's and he, uh, he, was, he tenderly cared for her. And he wrote this book and it, it doesn't have any of the spiritual element that mine has. But it is full of practical suggestions, and I would I would say that that would be a one that everybody who takes care of uh, somebody with dementia they should have one of my books, mm-hmm. and they should have Coach Burrell's book. Um, so I did want to do that, and then the next thing is I want to address the people who are taking care of uh, somebody with dementia. And I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. It, this is an often uh, exhausting, thankless position that you're in. Um, thank you for doing that. And it often feels like you were saying, Dave, uh, uh, if it's the flu or cold or something, there's going to be an end in sight. Uh, but Often with people taking care of somebody with dementia, it seems endless. There's like there's no end in sight. And the end will be death. And you don't want to wish for that. You know, you love these people. So you're in kind of like you're exhausted, you're drained. There's no end in sight. But often you don't want to leave it to anybody else because nobody could do it as well as you do. <laughs> so you're in kind of a, a confusing situation. and. When you're taking care of somebody with dementia, oftentimes it feels like your life is on hold. You can't really get involved in anything. You can't really travel. You can't really be out of pocket for any length of time. And you can't really get involved with stuff without interruption. So often I'm not trying to make it sound like it's all bad because there are certain wonderful things about taking care of somebody with Alzheimer's. There's a feeling, a sense of gratification you have knowing that you're doing a very important work and knowing that to that person, whether they realize it or not, you're their lifeline. There's That's very heady stuff for you to be that significant, that integral in somebody else's life. But oftentimes you're never thanked for it and you feel unappreciated and abused. And so I want to say anyway, I know how it is. 
I've been there. I'm still there with my mother. And I want to say thank you for what you do. Um, It doesn't go unnoticed. That's really great. And uh, I just want to say thank you for what you do for your mother, too. It's appreciated. She's happy right now. And that's huge to me. That's awesome. Well, Deborah, you've done a wonderful job in the course of this com- our conversation today. Guys, uh, the book is uh, Help Someone I Love Has Alzheimer's. I want to, from Shepherd's Press, as part of the Life Lifeline series. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be a fellow contributor to that series as well. So, oh, you are? Uh, I'm writing on contentment, help I can't find contentment. So I'm not oh. sure. I, I still have to write the book. Uh So anyway, but uh, one final takeaway uh, that I want to mention is that even though this position feels very much isolated and that you're alone, if you are a believer, don't forget that you are never, ever alone. God has promised that um, he will not leave us or forsake us. We We are to cling to him. He is always there. He's holding us by his righteous right hand. So even when it feels like we're alone, don't forget in your head and in your heart that we are never alone. He is always with us. That's so good. Uh, thank you for that. And and for the time that you've given to us today, Deborah, we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, go ahead and pick up this excellent uh, mini book. It's called Help Someone I Love Has Alzheimer's. Uh, you'll be blessed by reading it. And uh, thank you so much, Deborah, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.